0: Hello, humans. I am back with some lighter content this week, and it's a subject that we have yet to cover. I'm super excited. This week's episode is about angels. Melissa Kitto is a spiritual consultant, and she focuses on helping people to awaken their own intuitive abilities with an emphasis on communicating with your team of angels. She offers a wide range of courses on her website, CommunicateWithAngels.com, and she posts free content frequently on her popular YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash CommunicateWithAngels directly. Melissa spoke with her first angel at 12 years old, and that's when she learned that we all have angels or guardians or spirit guides, and you really can communicate with them directly and on a consistent basis if you're into it, and I definitely am. One of the things that I love about this podcast is that the name Follow the Woo 100% accurately represents what I'm up to behind the scenes. I'm connected with one piece of woo, and I follow that one to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. So I'm filling up my little notebook, Post-it notes, and Google Docs with all of these serendipitous leads from all over the place. Honestly, I'm barely in the driver's seat anymore. And that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted the royal woo to accept my request, to believe my sincere curiosity, and then connect me with people, ideas, and mysteries I could never conjure on my own. But I forgot that when you dance with the universe like this, in that humble, investigative-like state, you also get one more gift, and that's pure magic. The reason I'm telling you this is I want you to know that behind the scenes, I'm experiencing incredible synchronicity all the time now because of this podcast. For instance, I just had an amazing reading with Christy Peterson, who I highly recommend from episodes 14 and 15, and she convinced me quite quickly that having a direct conversation with your guides is actually super easy. That was a day before I had the chat with Melissa who basically answered all of the questions that I had post-Christie's reading. You see what I'm saying here? Everything is clicking into place, and I'm just seeing one more coincidence after the other. It's like, it really does feel like I'm being led by something else, and I don't fully understand it yet, but shit is getting weird, and I'm into it. Melissa and I discussed so many things, including her most tangible and direct experiences she's had with her angels, religion versus spirituality. This is a big one because the word angel itself has such a heavy connotation, right? So Melissa tackles that head on and really explains the difference between being spiritual and being religious and how she uses that term angel. She also talks about blocking and unblocking your intuition, staying grounded in the land of Wu, because it can get really airy-fairy really quick, and also some fast ways you can tune in to your specific angel team. I'm pretty sure you're going to want to at least try to strike up a dialogue with your mystical guides after you listen to this episode. Okay, let us begin, shall we? I've been doing a lot of really spooky stuff lately. A lot of spooky interviews, I'll say. Everybody's talking about these horrifying demons and ghosts and black-eyed children. Scary ass shit. I've been very much looking forward to, you know, switching gears a little bit. This is refreshing. I hope it will be. Light. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about how the woo entered your life, because it seems like you had direct access to it at a super young age. You were 12, I think, when you... Tell me about what happened when you were 12. Yeah. So I would say for
1: about a year before that, my mom was really searching spiritually and this was pre-internet days. so I remember at the time she was just an avid reader and filled an entire bookshelf with every new age or woo book she could get her hands on and prior to that I wasn't really exposed to anything not even religion actually we didn't go to church. My parents had kind of moved away from that. So we did a lot of driving because I was doing gymnastics. So like driving back and forth from gymnastics practice, she would start to tell me about some of these things like angels and past lives and healing. And although it seemed to be coming out of the blue, there was something about it that I felt very curious about and very drawn to, although I didn't really understand it much. And so at a certain point, she asked if I wanted to have a session with a friend of hers where I would learn about my angels and my intuition. And so I was curious enough to go along with it. And during that session, I was shown a technique where I could ask my angels a question and get an answer. At that time, I didn't even know if I believed in it. I wasn't sure, but I had an experience that day that I would now describe as a spiritual awakening where, you know, I did get an answer and I had this kind of vision where I could see that we live in two worlds at once. So the table and chairs in front of me was just as real as this kind of spiritual world that I tapped into. It just felt like that balance of both. And so that kind of set me on a course of diving in and going to workshops and groups and things as a teenager. And I was lucky that there was, you know, groups in the city that I just went along to. I was the only young person there, but I just felt very drawn to it. So over those years, I developed my intuition. I got in touch with that part of myself and kind of grew from there.
0: What was the question that you asked when you were 12? <laughs> was it something funny like that you know like what are we going to have for dinner tonight or was it something I don't even
1: deep? remember but I think it was like basically you're just learning a method of asking questions and getting a response so it was probably just something very simple. But all I really remember was, oh my God, I actually had an experience. Like, I know that that wasn't me doing it.
0: So you had this question pop into your mind and you thought, whatever, I'm kind of curious about what mom's doing. And the answer, did it come to you sort of telepathically? What was the
1: answer like? So at that time, it was like a tangible experience in the body. And after that, I then actually developed a way of hearing the guidance or feelings and visions but i guess because i was young that took a while for me to start to be aware of that where we're actually getting you know hundreds of hunches and impressions from our angels every day but most people aren't sensitive to it it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of like practice and tuning in to go oh I am actually getting guidance all the time.
0: Yeah. I kind of think of it like, have you seen those TikTok videos where they have the words on the screen and they smack them? I kind of feel like the words on the screen are the angels giving you messages and then us smacking them is like our mind. (laughs) we're just like get the fuck out get the fuck (laughs) out but we don't know that we're doing it at all Mm -hmm. you know I definitely bitch slap my angels messages as well accidentally but there's just so much good stuff coming to us and we really are not open to it
1: yeah that's pretty much the work that I do in a nutshell right there there's so much guidance available to us but we're not paying attention Or a lot of people just don't even know how to start tuning into that. They're not realizing, like you say, that they're not paying attention to it. Or as you become more sensitive and you do start getting some guidance, you might go, oh, no, no, I'm making that up or that's not real or that can't be right. And so we immediately dismiss it and block it. It's like learning to get out of your head a little bit and start just receiving that without talking yourself out of it. Because when you do, you're actually going to get even more help and guidance coming through because they know then that you're actually listening.
0: Right. So It sounds like you were young enough to be open to not only receiving the answer to your question, whatever that simple question was, but you also got some kind of download or some information to guide you to become this kind of person as an adult. Am I getting that right? I don't know if it went
1: that far in that moment, but I had some pretty mystical experiences around that time that helped me to start to trust that this is real. So in that first session where I was really just awakening to this, it was like a vision, sort of an experience, but it wasn't just a vision in my head. It was like, I am feeling that I am part of the spiritual world. It's almost like I could see and feel and experience that I was right there with my angels, that they were just as real to me as everything in the room in front of me physically. And that was an experience that I would say lasted about 10 seconds or something and then went away. It was probably about a year after that. I think I was having a sleepover with a couple of friends and I started sharing with them what I was learning about angels, etc. And, you know, being young, I didn't have a filter so much. So I was just blah blah, 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 blah telling them all this stuff. And they started to get a little skeptical and doubting and... Not sure about all of this. And just at that moment where maybe I would start doubting myself too, I could see in the corner of the room this bright ball of light. And all three of us stared at it for about 10 seconds and then it disappeared. And it was like I was getting that confirmation. I was seeing angels in front of me to feel like, yes, this is just as real as the uh, material world. And it's not like I have experiences like that all the time. It's maybe been five or six times in my 43 years. But I think at that time when I was just awakening to it, it was just on this very experiential level. And that's why I began to trust in it, because it wasn't just something that I was making up or it wasn't just theory that somebody else was telling me. I experienced that for myself. And I think that's what people need to be able to trust in their spiritual abilities is not just talking or reading or learning, but really experiencing. So that's what I try to do in my classes with people too. That's what makes it real and tangible.
0: Your friends that day, did they believe you after that or did they brush it off? They actually brushed it
1: off. It was so funny when the, a couple of days later when we went back to school, one of my friends said, oh no, that was just a car's headlights going by. And I'm like, there's no way. It could have been a car's headlights. It was so bright. It was just in one corner of the room. It was a ball, but that's the way that she needed to, you know, filter it and understand it, and that's fine. You know, I can't to this day prove to anybody that I had that experience, but for myself, I know that that's what I was feeling—that I was seeing an angel come to me.
0: I expected that because I feel like I hear that time and time again, and we do that anyway. You know, the other day. My partner and I did a ritual for the solar eclipse and we were doing some tarot work. And so as part of the ritual, she had a tarot deck. I had a tarot deck and we were like, okay, let's get really into it. We had done some vocal toning with the chakras and we're like, okay, let's pull a card at the same time. And we pulled the same card. The chances of that happening are very slim. I mean, there's 78 cards in each deck. I mean... And we just kind of looked at each other like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know, but then as time goes on, and we're better at it now. But there's there's always that like, well, you know, maybe could it have been at the top of the deck or maybe, you know, like uh, and and you have to almost like stop yourself and say, no, that was your team confirming That you are on the right track, that, you know, you need to keep doing this kind of work. I think you're so lucky to have experienced this stuff at such a young age and to have that confirmation in your body at such a young age. And I think you said on your website, you only had 12 years of programming to get rid of. Right. To be able to remember that you have access to these beings.
1: I didn't know that this was my purpose in those early years, but now I can see it from that perspective of that's why I ended up being exposed to it from a young age. Because then, you know, by the time I got to my mid-20s, I had all this experience under my belt and I could say, hey, guys, you can do this too it's actually more simple than you realize and it's so helpful in your life i had a lot of coincidences when i learned kind of the personalities and the background of my personal team of angels where i was interested in yoga and it was at a time when that wasn't really popular and then one of my angels was a yogi at that time in high school i was learning french and japanese and one of my angels was a bilingual language teacher in Montreal speaking French, English, and Japanese. And it gives you that confirmation of, wow, I've already been attracted to these things. And look, this is why my team of angels have these strengths and personalities. So they're sort of like part of our energy and we're picking up hunches and thoughts and just naturally feeling that influence. And sometimes it could be your own past lives that you're sort of drawn to and discovering as well. But
0: Right. So your mom was into the Woo, you know, when you were at a young age, did she continue on that path? Do you guys still work together on Woo Enterprises, endeavors? <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually she is. So we're both still involved with the organization that's now called The Way Showers College. Um, she's in New Zealand. That's where I grew up and I now live in the United States, but she actually lived in the US for a while. So,
0: And does she communicate with her team the same way you do? Like, Do you use the same methods? Yep. And that's one
1: thing about this is I really feel like anybody can do this. You know, every now and again, if I'm on an interview like this, people will say, so are you specially gifted? When did you know you were so psychic? And to me, that's not even a valid question. Like everybody has this ability. Everybody is psychic. It just takes, you know, learning some tools that make that process much more simple and direct.
0: Do you even identify as psychic?
1: I do, but I don't think that's anything special.
0: Right. But you use the term, is it angel of guidance coach? Yeah, for lack of a better word, yes. Basically,
1: I'm a spiritual consultant. I'm an intuitive coach. My focus is to help people to awaken their own abilities. I was doing readings for people several years ago, but I've really moved away from that because I found that maybe it was helpful for them, maybe it wasn't. Then they're just still put in a position where they have to go back to somebody else. To get their answers. So when you can actually access your own intuition, you can get that for yourself.
0: People often talk about unanswered prayers and that it feels like they're so alone and they're so lost. And you're saying, hold on, there's this team that's specifically there to help you. What do you say to those people? Do you get clients like that a lot who are like, is there anybody out there that can really help me? Because I feel like this is like a one-way situation.
1: Yeah. I had somebody like that the other day, and it's actually not something I experience often with people, but it's helping people to understand how this really works and that you are an important part of the equation, right? It's not that your angels are going to save you. They're not going to tell you what to do or impose on your free will. The reason they can help us is because they have a bigger picture perspective, like a bird's eye view, I like to think of it. And because they're not part of planet Earth energy, they can see things that we can't see. So they can help us to be in the right place at the right time, to do the things that are in alignment with your purpose. But if a person is stuck, resistant, your angels are not going to interfere with that. They're always there. They're always ready to support you but you have to do your part as well. And I think that's where people get stuck. This person I talked to just a couple of days ago, actually, she really was just in this place where she wanted to be saved. Like somebody saved me from all these problems. And unfortunately it just doesn't work that way. Right.
0: Right. You know, that story where the, it's told different ways, but it's like the person's drowning in the sea and they're like, help, help, help. You know, a boat comes by and they're like, yeah. Nah, nah, nah. I'm going to pray to God and wait until God saves me. And the boat's like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be fine. And then the boat goes by, and, you know, several things come by a ladder from a helicopter, all these things. And finally the, the person drowns they get to heaven and they're like, dude, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, I tried. I sent you. <laughs> the helicopter and the boat and the lifesaver and all the things. And Mm -hmm. I think we often think the magic is just going to come swoop in and save us. But the mundane is also magic. You know, we have to kind of see the signs on earth too.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting that you brought up like the more skeptical person who doesn't want to see anything as magic. But then there's the other side of the coin where we can go too much into expecting everything to be magic. And sometimes we've got to be practical as well, right? Like I'm all about the balance of both. So,
0: Same. I'm big on that on the show. I like to have skeptics on for that reason. I like to also have people who are science-based. And I believe you're a Capricorn, right? Yep. So two Capricorns here. We definitely got to keep it practical. Absolutely. I <laughs> yeah. I can't go too woo. Well, it sounds like you knew a lot of people, your mom included in the early kind of new age movement. And you know, that got really woo sometimes. My mom's friends would come over. we were in a similar situation. My mom was very into that at a young age. I would just be like, okay, this is next level. Like we need to take it down a couple notches.
1: Yeah, definitely a person can get into too much woo, right? We live in this very practical material world as well. And well, one way to really balance that is feel, think, act. And so you can think of the feel part As your intuitive impressions, your sensitivity, your hunches, your ideas, like all of that part of us. And then the think is the organizing part. This is where we need to make it practical and then take action on it. So, to me, all of the magic and the intuition is that first impression and the signs and coincidences. Yes, absolutely acknowledge them. And then what are you going to do with that? To use that energy in your life in a practical way. That's why we're here.
0: Two things I like about that. The first is the first step is feel, which I think is really interesting because we often skip that if we're too practical. Yes. And the second part is that you don't just feel and then act either. You have to have that middle thinking component so that your emotions aren't just dictating. Again, it's all about balance. And I really like that feeling is first, though.
1: Yes, and that is hard for people because most people aren't trained or programmed to do that, right? In our society, we're taught to be more logical. And the biggest problem that my clients have is overthinking and overanalyzing, where they're just that intellect is so used to being in control that when they try to start developing their spiritual gifts, their intuition, it feels very scary and the brain starts going crazy. Uh, so we have to really try to relax that and allow that to take a back seat. It's still important. We don't leave it out completely, but it comes second after the feeling because that feeling nature is the real you as a soul, is energy.
0: A hundred percent. And I love that we're talking about this. I have a post-it note up On my wall right now that says, get into your body because it is a constant reminder, especially for people. I don't know if you can relate to this. Obviously, you have practiced getting into your body more than I do, probably, but Capricorns, we can get really practical. We can get really analytical. It can be very logical and left brained. And I actively have to practice every day to get into my body, like a 30 second dance party. I mean, whatever it is, like having sex, you know, it's like you have to almost say, for me, I have to say, pause, what is my body feeling right now? And I think that's often the truth of the situation is what's in the body, not what's running around in my mind. Yes, absolutely. And if I'm having trouble making a decision in my
1: own life, because one thing I've realized about myself is I'm not a fast decision maker. I really (laughs) (laughs) really take time to weigh (laughs) up the options. Like, hmm, will I, won't I? So when I get myself in that state, I will really just, okay, if I chose this option, how would it feel? And give myself time to just feel that energy. Okay, if I chose this option, how would it feel? And it takes some time and you have to kind of be patient with that. It's not, you know, the head going, this is right, more logical. It's really like, okay, how does this energy feel? And usually the one that's more in alignment for you is going to feel lighter, more expansive, The other one's going to feel more pressured.
0: I've heard people say the body is the truth and the mind is a lie. I don't know if that's true across the board, but I think as sort of just like a quick reminder that the body's going to tell you, trust your gut, your literal gut. I think we've definitely forget that a lot. I want to know what your angels look like. Are you able to see some kind of outline? Or are you just hearing and feeling the answer to your question? So as far as the answer to my question, it was a
1: feeling and experience, but that kind of vision that I had that I don't think most people have when they're Having that (laughs) consultation, it was just a very personal thing to me, right? It wasn't like I really saw angels, but I could kind of see like very bright colors, silver. It just felt like I was one with the universe. And the only other times I've had a real, you know, tangible experience where I could see something, it looked like an extremely bright ball of light. But one thing I often share with my clients is those are the stories that we often hear about and people want to have that because usually they want proof. They're like, is this really real? I need to see it for myself. And those experiences are not common, right? Most of the time, it's going to be more like you're hearing the still small voice inside. One really tangible way, though, to feel your angels around is when you experience chills or goosebumps or tingling. And that's when you're kind of feeling their high vibration of energy on the body. So that's a great thing to pay attention to for people because it's more tangible as well.
0: You said there was an angel in your team that was bilingual or multilingual. Over time, have you personified them in a way? Have you given them sort of like archetypes? Can you see them differently now because you've worked with them for so long?
1: Yeah, I don't really have names for them, but I guess I've sort of created a picture in my mind. I'm a very visual person. That's actually my strongest spiritual gift is vision so I just kind of have a picture of them in my mind and I know pretty well the areas of life that they help me with the other thing you can do too is like each one of your angels gives you a feeling of chills on the body so like one of my angels was more uh, a businessman he was actually a merchant banker in Switzerland in his last lifetime and he gives me chills on the lower spine. And it's like the only time I feel chills in that place on the body is when I'm working with that area of my life, like making business decisions or financial stuff. So it's just very interesting that they will move in and out depending on what help you need at different times.
0: So one of your angels was a human. What is an angel?
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's schools of thought out there that angels are one thing and spirit guides are another thing, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I don't really delve into all of that, like classifying things. I just see them as my helpers, my guides. These are souls just like I am, but they have graduated from planet Earth. And they have lived before. We're here on planet Earth to learn and grow. And these souls have gotten to the point where they don't really need to come back. They've mastered the lessons of planet Earth, but they are still learning and growing from the opportunity to help us.
0: And where do they go? Where do we go after planet Earth? I don't get a whole
1: lot of detailed information about that, but I... Too bad. (laughs) No, yeah. I'm just too much of a practical Capricorn, I suppose. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, the universe is our true home. We're actually away from home while we're here on planet Earth. We're inhabiting this physical body so that we can learn and grow kind of at a faster pace than you can out there just as energy. And to me, this is just a personal belief that this is not the only spiritual school in the universe. There's other planets out there, but souls that are attracted to come to planet Earth really want to learn and grow quickly because there's lots of different states of consciousness of people that we interact with and that's all there for our growth.
0: I talk to a lot of alien abductees and contactees. Do you see a correlation between angels and aliens? Or is it, again, like you just don't classify
1: them? Everything is energy. So I'm just personally not a fan of labels, (laughs) just in lots of areas of my life. So, yeah.
0: And has there ever been an incident in your life where you were close to death or you were in a really tricky spot and it felt like without your angels, you might have either died Or had something horrible happen to you?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. When you first started saying that, I thought no. But then I actually just got reminded that there was something that happened to me. So I have an eight-year-old son. When I was pregnant with him, I was driving on a pretty busy road, like eight-lane highway kind of thing. And somebody was like pulling out. They were turning right into traffic, didn't look, and literally just pulled out right in front of me. And I felt somebody took hold of the steering wheel and veered me into the next lane to avoid crashing into this car that had just pulled out right in front of me. And I didn't even look to see if the lane was open. It just happened. And I'm like, oh my God. And I realized that, you know, especially because I was two months pregnant My angels were like, no, you are not going to get hurt right now. We're not going to have any damage happen to this baby. And I was just like shaking afterwards. Did that really happen? But I know that it did. And again, I don't think that those kind of interventions happen all the time. But there are occasions where... They're like, no, no, you're not going to get hurt right now. This would get you too off course from your life purpose. And that's where those interventions can
0: happen, I think. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. I was like, when do they intervene? Because I feel like there's so many times in my life, especially when I was younger, I was a big partier and a shit show at a young age. I got it out of my system early, thank God. But at that time I was really lost and I just always felt alone. But then there's been these very, very pivotal moments where it was like, Without them, I might be dead or on an entirely different path. And it's like, how come you didn't help me all those other times, but you helped me this time? But I see what you mean. You said it really well. Like it would get you too far off your path. Yeah. That choice would. And the other stuff was getting you off your path and annoying and causing you discomfort, but it wasn't that intense. Yeah, Angels Direct Connect. That is what this program is called, that you sort of cultivated essentially since you're 12 years old. How does it work? What I do is actually
1: something that I'm certified in. I did not create it myself. I'm certified with an organization called the Showers College, and it was founded by a man named Francisco Cole. He died in 99. So all the work that he created is kind of lived on and his son is working with it now too. But the whole organization is based on the idea that you are energy. You are here to learn and grow. You have inner guidance. You have a unique purpose and you are free. And so there's no dogma theology. There's no one that's there to be your guru. It's like, these are the tools that worked for me. And here, see if they work for you. The Angels Direct Connect is kind of that first consultation where people can learn what their strength is of the four gifts of intuition, vision, prophecy, and feeling. So basically, Intuition is the inner hearing, clear audience, vision is the inner visions, prophecy is inner knowing and feeling is the inner feelings. You learn how many angels you have with you for your personal team or guides, whatever term you like to call them where they give you that feeling of chills on the body. Also some information about your energy at this time. How are you utilizing it in a positive, negative, or indecisive way? And tools to help you to be more connected. And then like I was sharing about, have that two-way communication with your angels. And I've taken that material and also created my own kind of spin on it with an online course that people can take. Because none of this work was online. So I feel like that's been a part of my purpose, too, is to kind of take the best of the best and organize it in a new way and get it out there for more people. Because I do think there's a huge need for it.
0: Absolutely. I'm curious about what you think about the programming that comes from society and our parents and, and, and all these external places. Do you think that there are malevolent forces, so to speak, that are trying to get us disconnected from communicating with our angels? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. (laughs) One of the other
1: things that you can learn about is, I call it confused souls. So basically you don't have to be dead to be a confused soul, right? It's more about state of consciousness. If somebody has gotten caught in, there could be many variations of it, anger, fear, violence, even things that seem positive, like when people get married and they say, till death do us part. Then, when they passed on, they felt like they still owed that person something that they had to wait for them and hang around. So, basically, these are souls that have gotten stuck and confused. So, if you pass on in that state of consciousness, you could be a confused soul. They're not bad or evil, they're just confused. But as we know, unfortunately, on our planet right now, there are some people that are involved in not very positive things, to put it nicely, right? So, (laughs) if a person (laughs) passes on like that, they don't suddenly change, right? Because there's really no such thing as death. That state of consciousness continues on. They just don't have a body anymore. So what can happen is those souls will stay kind of stuck around planet Earth. And until they can get themselves regrouped to where they need to be, their angels stay with them until they can be kind of free from whatever they're stuck in, and then they can move out. But that pressure's around our planet. And so because we're all sensitive we're feeling energy all the time, right? We're feeling other people's energy. We're feeling energy in the environment. And we can also tune into thoughts and feelings that aren't ours from these confused souls. People often get confused. They think, oh, well, it's my mother that passed on. And it's usually not somebody you know. It's just like attracts like on an energy level. So if I feel depressed, I'm going to attract a lot of energy around me that's depressed and that makes it harder to shake off. But you can learn tools to keep your energy just more relaxed so I don't attract that kind of outside pressure.
0: So there's confused souls, which I also think is a very nice way to put it. I like very, (laughs) Very non-judgmental. Confused souls. You are meaning sort of entities that are hanging on and then people who are in physical bodies still who are also malevolent or not. You said they're not bad. They're just confused. I'm asking this because a lot of people are talking about the Illuminati lately. Do you think that there's some kind of force like that that understands that us connecting to our guides would be detrimental to their mission?
1: I don't know about that specific thing you're bringing up up but yes there can be souls that want to limit you to be honest yeah. and Doesn't matter i don't talk about in. it a lot with new people usually because it sort of gets them so fearful that they won't even try to tune into the positive stuff right but as you get more aware of this it is important to know that yes it just becomes more and more important to keep my energy high and positive because as you become more sensitive you can also become more sensitive to the negative things, right? Like your initial question to me was, can there be souls that try to stop us from connecting with our angels? And yes, it can happen. Most people that come to me are not going to have that, but there are people out there that become very confused and are under the influence of outside pressures. So that's actually why when you ask me, When I was 12, how did I get an answer? It's why I didn't actually answer that question. Because if a person did have confusion around them, they might not actually be ready to learn that very specific technique to communicate with their angels directly. Because if there's a soul that's kind of pretending to be one of my angels, I certainly don't want to start connecting them with that soul. We want to make sure that they don't have pressure around them before connecting.
0: Got it. Heaven and hell. What
1: do you feel about that concept? I am not a religious person <laughs> at all. And so I think that those are words that have been chosen to describe certain things. And they have gotten misconstrued along the way. So those words don't resonate with me personally at all. But I can see perhaps where the intention was, right? I don't think that any religion was started by a religious person. It was started by a spiritual person. And then over time, people that didn't quite understand it started misinterpreting things. We can live in heaven or hell while we're here on planet Earth. You don't have to be dead. Again, it's more about my state of consciousness, Right. And so you could say that those souls that have become confused when they pass on, they're maybe what Catholic religion would call purgatory or some religions will call karma. They're having that kind of experience, but there is a way for them to be regrouped and to move out.
0: The reason I ask is because when we use the term angel, it always brings up this concept of heaven and hell automatically. Yeah. I'm just curious about if we're talking about angels, are there also demons? If we're talking about angels, does that mean that there's this Christian ideology around heaven and hell and what it means to be a good person and what it means to have a spiritual practice and all of that. So I figured that was your answer, but I wanted to make sure the listeners know that just because you're working with angels, you don't have to call them that. You can call them whatever you want. That's what works for you. And it doesn't mean that you have to be religious or that it's part of any of this dogma or doctrine. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm
1: well aware that for some people that word angels can be quite confronting because of the religious connotations of it. So I always say like, just use whatever word works for you. And, you know, with my website, communicatewithangels.com, like that word angels is something that when you say it, people automatically know kind of what you're talking about. But in my own practice, I don't really call them angels. I'm probably more likely to call them my guidance.
0: Some people would say that focusing on the positive and kind of this law of attraction can sometimes abandon shadow work. There's a lot of debate happening right now about not doing shadow work and not recognizing that there's both dark and light. And it kind of seems like everything that you work with is really light, light, light. How do you balance that? And how have you done your shadow work? Mm -hmm. Every single day. <laughs> I and mean, that's pretty
1: much my practice. I don't really use the word shadow work, but to me, there's no right or wrong, good or bad. So, whatever emotion or feeling a person is having is valid and is there for a reason. And for me personally, I had a habit just from my upbringing and things I experienced in my early years of suppressing my feelings and numbing them down. And the last two or three years really seen the importance of expressing emotions and allowing them to flow through and that it can be your greatest teacher. So when I say high vibration, I almost hesitate from using that word, but I haven't quite found a better way to describe it. But it's not like, a oh, I'm always high. I'm always positive. It's not that. It's just there is a way to feel more relaxed and more tuned in. So I feel this when I do yoga. After yoga, I'm like, oh, I feel, you know, my energy is vibrating and zinging. I feel more relaxed. And so that's really what I mean. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you never have a bad day or have negative stuff come through. For me, like you asked, how do I do my shadow work? If I do get triggered by something or an emotion comes up, I journal and I might call a friend and say, okay, this is what's coming up from me. What? Is the habit or the concept that I'm holding on to that's causing me to have this experience? I take it as a learning and growing opportunity. And that's a lot of the deeper work that I do with clients as well.
0: Because of my woo background, I have a lot of knowledge on this idea of there's no right or wrong, there's no good or bad, right? But then at the same time, I've done a lot of activist work. And in that work, there is a clear wrong, whether it be racism or capitalism or misogyny or human trafficking. There's like the list is forever. How do you meld those things? Because I often struggle with that. I kind of go back and forth and I'm like, yeah, I know I'll be on the ideas of right and wrong. There's a field and I'll meet you there. All that sounds great. And if I know it in my body somewhere. But I also know when I see somebody being racist or I even feel my own latent racism because of the world we live in that like, this is wrong, you know, it's, and I feel that in my body too. How do you deal with that? That
1: is a a tough one. And I think the, the concept of no right or wrong is really a tough pill to swallow anyway (laughs) for most people. So, but for me, it's like, okay, what is my niche and purpose in life? as souls on this planet, we're all moving toward healing and growth. I don't think that we're ascending. I don't resonate with that idea, but that we're all moving toward healing and growth and respect. And so there are certain things that I don't want to get involved in, you know, harming somebody else or discriminating against somebody else. I don't want to get involved in that. And yet there are people on this planet of however many it is now, 7 billion or whatever, who are creating that. I don't have any control over that. I can do my part, but I can't stop somebody on the other side of the world that I've never met from doing those things. And so I see that that person is creating that based on their state of consciousness and their beliefs right now. There's something for them to learn from it. And it's also not going to stop me from doing the best I can to be an example of positivity in my life and for the people that are in my sphere. So I think when a person is struggling with that concept of there's no right or wrong, one thing that can help is to see a bigger picture perspective that this is not probably your first lifetime on planet earth. And you have been involved with things like that in past lives and learn something from it. So it's like, not that I love that that is happening because, you know, I care about people. And if I'm really detached, I can say, okay, that's just an experience they're having.
0: That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough concept. And it's also really difficult to think of someone like Donald Trump having spirit guides. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I mean, like, no, he does, I think, but I'm sure he's deeply unattached to them. (laughs) It's just interesting to think about the bad guys, so to speak, as also having this team of angels or guides. And it's a very Buddhist thought, actually. The thought Uh, is, you know, like those who are the hardest to love are the ones who need it the most. But I mean, the phrase hardest to love is in there. Like they, they (laughs) suck, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but you're right that pulling out and having like an aerial view can help, but it's still very difficult for me when it comes to things like racism and anything where we hurt each other for being different. I guess that just hurts me at such a deep level. And I sometimes think, what the fuck, humans? Why is it taking us so long? Do you have any thoughts on that? I certainly don't have the answers to, to
1: all of that. But
0: I have, <laughs> Why not, Melissa? Yeah, right. But,
1: <laughs> but I have had insights every now and again that help me to put things in perspective. Because, I mean, for me personally, when Donald Trump first got elected, I had a really hard time. Like I was struggling with that. And I had a few insights that helped me to at least be relaxed with it. Because let's face it, me getting all worked up about that is not really going to help me at all in my daily life. It was out of my control. So, just to see that sometimes those things are happening where it's waking people up. When the pandemic first hit and we really were like in full lockdown. And out of that frustration and isolation that people were experiencing popped up BLM and some of those other movements. And it's like, I don't think that that would have happened if it wasn't for the lockdown. So I think, again, the shadow side, like if we can say, okay, what's the flip side of this and that bigger picture, what's another purpose to it? What's another perspective where it is actually helping people to to wake up and to be better humans?
0: If the goal is growth, like you said earlier, then pain is a really great way to grow. I mean, yeah. And I do think you're right. A lot of awakening came from Donald Trump becoming president. I still think he's a douchebag, but I think I heard it recently said so well, and I think it was Glennon Doyle in her Mm. new book, Untamed. Have you read that? I have. Yeah. She's an alcoholic and she had to do all this healing for that. But she's like, you have to face the hard thing first. You have to feel the pain that was there that you were trying to cover up before you can change. And that's what he gave us. He gave us the pain. He he showed us who we were because this shit was already here. It was just sort of lurking in the corners. Yes. It's interesting, too, that you said you being upset about that all the time isn't going to do anything for anybody. And so you brought it back to your point earlier, which is you have a specific purpose. Each of us do even if it is to be an activist you're not going to be a great activist if you're feeling depressed all the time or if you're feeling pissed all the time or if you're not eating or if you're not taking care of your basic needs you have to have that to be able to be productive in any field especially activism i think
1: yeah and i think the people that are getting really stuck in the what political or um bigger picture problems that the planet is happening you know they're wanting that to be within their control and it really isn't and I can only do my part right there's a concept of like my loyalties in life my first loyalty is to myself and to my purpose my second loyalty is to my loved ones those close within my sphere and then my third loyalty is to that bigger picture society so I do think that I'm having an impact on that bigger picture society with what I'm doing but if I make that my first loyalty then You know, that's where I'm probably going to get stuck because the problems just seem so huge. What can I do about them? People can get depressed when they approach it like that,
0: you know, and totally overwhelmed.
1: Oh, yeah, totally overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. So many women for so long have felt like being loyal to yourself first is absolutely unacceptable. Yes. That is the first step, being loyal to yourself. And having that connection to your guides, to your own feelings, to the rhythms of your body, then you're able to give love and offer guidance to your family and and friends, that next circle, like you said. And then it makes sense. It feels like at that point, what you're supposed to do, because you're already tuned in with yourself. So Mm -hmm. that ginormous task turns into like a laser focus. And then that helps you be able to, I feel like, sleep at night. Oh yeah.
1: And I think that piece of live and let live is a part of that as well. But yeah, loyalty to self is really important and people don't realize that they're leaving themselves out. This became really present to me a couple of years ago when I went through a divorce where I was stuck in that bad relationship for a good couple of years when I knew I really wanted to get out of it, but I was afraid of hurting the people around me. And I really had to come to the place of. Okay, when I do this for me because I know this is going to be in my best interest, then it actually is going to be the best thing for the other people that it's going to affect as well. And when I took on that belief, it really played itself out to be true. It doesn't mean that they liked it right away, you know, specifically my no. ex-husband and my son. <laughs> but in the long run, everybody is better for it because I put myself first. One way to flip that around is say this is actually the best way for me to be of service to other people too because, you know, as a mother, right, you can't Be a good parent if you're totally drained and leaving yourself out. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. When I was 13, my mom came out as gay and it was not cool to be gay. It's still not cool to be gay many, many places, but she came out and divorced my stepdad and I just hated her. I hated her at the time, and I thought she was just ruining everything, and I didn't really understand why she had to be different, because being 13 is hard enough. I didn't want anything to be different, and I also am queer, and I didn't know how to express that, so I was like, wait, we Mm -hmm. can't both be, and it was just too much. But later, I realized that that was an amazing gift that she gave me, because it taught me that you have to follow your heart. That was such a strong thing she did. That was such a brave thing she did. And I have to always remember that, that she sacrificed her daughter hating her, losing my brother, losing her husband for her truth. Mm. And that was just the right thing to do. But like you said, your husband and your son were probably really upset when you made that choice. Yeah and my
1: mother did the opposite right she stayed in a marriage I knew but by the time I was about 13 I'm like they are not supposed to be together anymore and I (laughs) love both my parents right but it wasn't until I was 19 that they finally did separate I personally would have preferred that they did because living in an environment where there's just so much disconnect and not communicating and tension that's not fun Right. So I started to recreate that pattern myself. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to do it differently here. I'm not going to waste away so many years of my life. I'm going to really enjoy them now. And that's another concept that bugs me a little bit is this idea that we're supposed to wait until we retire to have fun and enjoy our lives. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm going to do that right now.
0: (laughs) Such a capitalist concept. Yeah. Work, 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 work. And then as soon as you have a minute to have fun, you're not going to have fun because you're going to have, I don't know, heart disease and cramps in your legs and all kinds of, you're not even going to know how to have fun because your neural pathways have been working for 65 years. Yeah. Non-stop. There's no, what? All of a sudden you're just going to relax? No. yeah, It's insane. I have a couple of friends who work very, very hard, bless them, but they have this idea that, when I get through this task, when I get through this season of work, then I'll be happy. And that is such a dangerous thought because you give away your happiness over and over and over again. And I am a recovering workaholic myself. I have had to literally like slap my hand and be like, snap out of it, you know, like enjoy this moment and this time that you're having, because it's not going to be like all of a sudden you'll be happy after you get through this insane pile of work.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The thing that pops in my mind is like, wherever you go, there you are. So once you get to that point that you think is going to make you happy, you're still the same person (laughs) and you'll probably just want something else, right? It's rampant in our society, this tendency to look outside of ourselves for happiness or look outside of ourselves for answers. It's really never is out there, right? It always is within. And so the things that we want, the goals, the desires that we have are really just a means to an end. And there's a spiritual need a fulfillment under every desire, and if you can bring in that feeling right now, then you're going to naturally attract those desires to you as well. It's not just gratitude that's the answer. It's bringing in any feeling, whether it be abundance or freedom or joy. The more that I can have that now, then it means I'm just going to you know, enjoy the material things of life, but not be attached to them, not think that that's going to make me happy because nothing out there can make me happy. I am happiness, right? That's me.
0: Yeah. That's like a paradox. This idea that I'm going to feel joy to be more joyful. Yeah. It's like, but wait, how do I get to that joy part first? And it's like, well, it's not out there. It's in here. It's like a garden that you have to cultivate over a period of time, I think. And you can say that a thousand times. Like I know that intellectually, but I can emotionally forget that a lot. You just got to keep practicing like yoga with Adrienne. Do you know her? She's great, right? She has that slogan find what feels good. So simple, just so easy, just find what feels good. But it's so hard for us. No, I mean, because I'm from New Zealand originally,
1: right? So now living in the US, I always say, like, wow, this is really a workaholic kind of a society here. There's some good things about that. Like, it's a great place to be an entrepreneur and grow a business and things. But it's just everybody's dying of stress, <laughs> right? So yeah. finding that balance again, the happiness and fulfillment first. The great thing about New Zealand is it is more of a feeling country. Like people are much more laid back. Relationships and socializing is more of a priority than working a lot of times. So because of all the travel restrictions right now, I haven't been for two and a half years, which is a long time for me. So I'm so ready to go back. Yeah. It's one here. I'm just saying that's a very kind of common angel symbol when you see one, 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 so Oh, which time is 11,
0: 12, one. Oh, one, one, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 11, 11, too. Right. Yeah. Oh, tell me about that. Why is that an angel symbol? So
1: I see that pretty much every day and I just take it as a sign that I'm in the right place at the right time. Like this little reminder that, Hey, we do live in the spiritual world. Because even though this is my career, it's still really easy to get stuck in the workaholic mode, the busy parenting responsibilities. And so when I see that one, 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 I always take it as just a little message reminder from my angels that, hey, remember your spirit, you know, you're connected, stay in touch. I just get messages from people all the time, especially my YouTube channel, like, why am I seeing all these number sequences? And I think when a person is first awakening, that's a common way that their angels will start to get their attention, mm-hmm. that it just happens too much to be a coincidence. And then they start to learn to be more open to signs, messages, symbols, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I see 1111 11 a lot. I think some people, again, they want to brush it off, Yes, but it's like really... If you think about that, you look at the clock at exactly 11.11 every day. It's just, come on, like, well, stop brushing it off, people.
1: It's kind of an ongoing joke with my boyfriend now because he's more skeptical for sure. But we went to a baseball game the other day and pull up and I say, oh, we're right on time. Look at the clock. It's 11-11. Like, how does that happen? I don't know. It's just too much of a coincidence.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What other things have you had that kind of come through or you're just like, oh, okay, I got to pay attention or, oh, I'm on the right track. So there's many ways that
1: we can get messages from our angels. Some people get other types of symbols like feathers or pennies. All these pennies started showing up in my apartment. That was just very odd. Like there was a penny in every room. (laughs) Who's wandering around here dropping pennies? I don't know. So yeah, you know, more with your intuition, it might be hearing your name called and there's no one there or just like hearing words pop in your mind. Often that can be very subtle. I've had sometimes where it was sort of a louder voice, so to speak, not loud as in ominous, but more distinct. I remember when I was going through my divorce and I had to get used to the new custody schedule where I was away from my son for a while. I wasn't used to that. And I just kept hearing over and over again, a voice saying to me, it's the best of both worlds. It's the best of both worlds, right? So I get that time to do more of my own thing, to focus more on my business or go out and have fun without needing a babysitter. And then also I can keep nurturing the relationship with him. And often like when you hear something like that, I find that it's usually short and sweet. Like it might just be a little phrase like that or couple words i teach people in my course to start doing that more consciously so maybe you know each day you can ask for angels what is my keyword for today and you just take a deep breath and relax and that word will just pop in your mind that keyword can be a focus a pivot point for that day for you and maybe a keyword is patience right so okay that's my message today is to be patient or relax or something like that you can also see pictures images get feelings and inner knowings and sometimes I even will have premonitions come through
0: little baby ones, like you know who's on the phone when the phone rings or something like that, or more intense? Um, sometimes
1: more intense, like just a little example that's popping in my mind. Last year when we were all locked down, etc. when I moved into this particular apartment community that I live in, I was really excited to like use the gym and the pool and well, it was all shut down. So I remember one day I was just walking by the pool and I could see in my mind like this premonition of, oh, all the kids will be playing in the pool like by the summer. And at that time we had no clue if that was really going to play itself out. But it eventually that pool did open like mid-July. I mean, it doesn't seem that significant in the scheme of things, but as you become more sensitive, that's more the prophetic gift. So we have a gift order. For some people, these gifts are going to be stronger. For others, not so much, depending on which one's more prominent for you.
0: Right. You talked about these four avenues, the intuition, vision, prophecy, and feeling. Yes. And everybody has all of them, but everybody has one that they're really strong in. Or yeah, it's usually
1: into. it's the first two that are the strongest.
0: Mine is Visionary Prophetic. Is that part of the classes that you offer? You help people figure out which one is their dominant one?
1: Yes, that's part of the first consultation. And that's also incorporated into the online course where you get that. That's also the main way that you will get messages from your angels primarily. So we're uh, most successful when we're trusting that first gift first right? The feel, think, act again. My first impression will usually come in through that first gift.
0: So tell me about the courses. It sounds like you figure out what are your predominant gifts, these avenues, and then you kind of get a feel for what terminology they want to use for their guides and that kind of thing. And then you move into the steps of how to actually communicate with them, figuring out how many they have. Am I on the right track there?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of that is part of the one-on-one session that I do. So we would hop on a Zoom call and I just kind of tune into my angels who talk to their angels and fill out that information for them. Like what you said, the gifts, how many angels they have and how their energy is operating at this time. And then the rest of the online course that I've created, some of it is going deeper into receiving messages through all of those intuitive, vision, prophecy, and feeling you know, we can practice all of them and start to get guidance that way. So if somebody's having a challenge in a certain area of their life, they can start getting messages and help with that. The later modules of the course go into more specifically like, okay, now that you have this method of asking direct questions, how to work with that? Because there's certain ways you want to phrase a question and certain things to avoid. So one of the things to avoid is saying should, right? If I say, Angel, should I do this? they're probably not going to answer or you might just feel like a confusing answer mm-hmm. because they don't want to tell you what to do. There's really no such thing as should anyway. So I help people kind of know how to approach this in a way that's going to be successful and then how to you know use that in a really practical way in your life. Would you describe this as energy work? It's not energy healing necessarily, although you can dive into that with some of the other way show college stuff. But this is, yeah, it is working with energy. I think everything is energy. So
0: because it's energy work and you're right, everything is energy, but you're getting kind of finite in the space. Like, okay, we're going to work with the angels. Yeah. Do you have to have protection? Do you teach people that they need to have protection to make sure that they don't invite in those confused spirits? Yeah. So the
1: first module... Works with that is how to spiritually cleanse, how to raise your vibration, how to be more connected. And then I always just encourage people that's a tool that you're going to use many times throughout your day because our planet right now is more negative than it really was ever intended to be. So we actually need to put in a little extra effort to stay relaxed and connected, to stay spiritually aware and sensitive. And I don't use the word protection because I think if I'm trying to protect myself, I'm on a defense. My energy is more tense. So rather than protection, I like to think of it more as awareness and detachment. Like you can even think of it symbolically, my energy is expanded. So then if something tries to come in that doesn't serve me, I'm going to notice it like out here rather than when it gets right in my face and I can't really move it out anymore. It's knowing what's me and what's not me. So when I have that awareness energy of like, I can feel that energy is my guidance. I can feel that energy is not. I know that that's me. So you can actually learn to distinguish that. Mm -hmm. Then you're empowered. You don't need to protect yourself anymore. You just, you're aware.
0: Yeah, that terminology is used a lot for empaths. That idea of being an empowered empath is not shutting down. And that's what we tend to do accidentally. We're just like, shut it out, shut it out. And that's protection. But when Mm -hmm. you do that, you lose the good shit too. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I like that idea. You said, you want to be aware and then detach, and you're doing it on a it's like case by case basis. Like, okay, I'm going to actively detach from that confused soul, but I'm going to keep myself open and aware to all of these other ones that are mm-hmm. not. I like confused. I want to say like bitchy souls, but <laughs> but confused is nice too. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really heard it exactly put that way, like aware and detach.
1: One good analogy to think about is the bullfighter and they would hold the little red cape or whatever it was. So the bull's coming at them and then they just Olay. So the bull runs the other direction. So that's a good way to think about this when you're being affected by outside energies and it could be with people in bodies as well as people without bodies. I say, okay, I'm just going to ole that. I'm not going to get involved <laughs> in it. If I engage, then I'm caught. Right. So it's more like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that you're pissed off
0: at me today. okay, move the other way right yeah sometimes easier
1: guess- said than done of course but
0: of course definitely there are some people that can really get under your skin but yeah. I like that concept. Just ole them. You know, it's yeah. kind of a just funny thing. ole that. Just ole. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of, I think it's called Aikido. Some of those martial arts, the reason that they're so incredibly powerful is that when the force is coming toward you, you don't meet it with force. You just kind of move out of the way. You're not using force to combat your opponent. You're oleing, mm-hmm. really, over and yeah. over and over again in a fight. Yeah. And that's why you don't want to
1: protect yourself because protection is like, I have to move this force against it. And it's also kind of assuming that that energy can affect me and I need to protect myself from that. If you actually shift that and go, nah, it's only going to affect me if I allow it to then it's more about staying relaxed and aware, but not Mm. protecting.
0: But we don't think of it that way, you know, especially in witchcraft and a lot of the like psychic mediums that I work with or that I've spoken with often use that protection. And it does feel like it's a force against a force a lot. Mm -hmm. Like there are these alien forces and we have to like protect ourselves from them manipulating us. And it's- Then I've talked to some others who now I'm thinking about what you said. They were like, oh, no, just remember that you are just as powerful as they are and you get to set the parameters and you get to set the boundaries. And it's really all about you cultivating that belief that you can do that, which is not easy either. Right. <laughs> but it, it, it's is—it's possible, <laughs> though. It is. It really is.
1: This is an ongoing practice. All of these things we're talking about. It's not like we flip a switch. Right. And that's dedicating a little time to it each day. Right. I'm not a big meditator, actually. It just doesn't really help me much. But I'm more like intentional with my spiritual practice. Like I'm going to focus on a goal or I'm going to just focus on staying relaxed so that I'm you know, more empowered as I go about my day
0: what does your daily practice look like?
1: I know that I just feel a lot more centered when I do a little exercise each morning. I'll try to do a little stretching in the evening, say so try, cause it's maybe 50% of the time that one, but, um,
0: <laughs> <You're not laughs> and <alone>.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then every morning and evening, I'll just try to do something to connect. So in the evening it's journaling, like, okay, angels, what was my keyword for today? What did I learn today? What would I do differently if I had it over again? And anything that's sort of been coming up that I've been learning and growing through, I'll journal. In the morning, I get my keyword for the day. I also do a practice of cleansing the environment and that takes like five minutes. So it's the idea of like visualizing myself as energy, as light, and then expanding that light throughout my home, other environments, my neighborhood, just to send that light and cleansing out. There's just a couple of little quick things like that in the morning, because I know I just need to do those practices to keep me clear, for lack of a better word.
0: I understood. Yeah. yeah. I, ha- I have to have them too. I get kind of nutty after a few days of not doing it. So Yes. You said you don't meditate. I'm surprised. I think the listeners would be surprised. What is it about it that doesn't seem to work for you? Just out of curiosity. So I can do a guided meditation
1: and I'll do that occasionally. But for me to sit still and meditate, I find that my thoughts start wandering. And I actually don't see that as a bad thing. I'll see that as getting into a relaxed state where I'll pick up ideas and insights, whether it be from my own intuition or from my guidance. That's why I said I do it in a more intentional way. I'm not trying to clear my mind and just be still. I do have, you know, like I said, each morning and evening I do stillness. So you might call that meditating, but there's always like a focus to it. Mm -hmm. And if I find my thoughts wandering, that's probably because there's something there to be regrouped. I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about or aren't aware of is there's a real spiritual need for regrouping. And that is to reflect on your experiences to see what have I learned from them just on a daily basis. Maybe I got triggered by a certain situation or I'm feeling anxious about something or indecisive. I'll take some time to bring that to the forefront and just kind of regroup for myself. Okay, what is really going on here? What's under the surface or what do I need to be aware of?
0: Just last night, I read a really amazing article. It was thought-provoking, I'll say about how meditation, the most popular, like an insight meditation where you're focusing on your breath or you're focusing on sensations in your body or a mantra or something. They have research now that shows that certain people are not meant to meditate, especially for long periods of time. And it can actually cause psychotic breaks in certain individuals. And Mm -hmm. those individuals are often more sensitive, you know, might be susceptible to certain psychoses and things like that, but they might have a brain that works a little different, might be a little neurodivergent. And the process of sitting in silence and trying to clear that all out can bring up things that can cause more discomfort and madness. And when I read this, I was like, get out of here. Like, what? Meditation is the answer. It is the way to go. Silence is what we need. We have too much chatter. I I mean, I'm still kind of digesting that because I have been taught for so long that meditation is the ultimate answer and maybe it's not. Yeah.
1: I think it's great if it works for you and if it doesn't, I don't think it's the be all and end all. There's many tools, you know, and that's what I encourage people to do is like, okay, find the tools that work for you. If the tools that I teach don't, great, go elsewhere, right? So there's no one way for each person.
0: Yeah. We forget that though. We fight about it all the time. Like, this is the right way. This is the right God. This is the right practice. And Really, I think, however many people are on the planet, that's how many different ways you can do it. Yes. (laughs) That's that's, that's sort of like impossible to digest though. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's really weird. Is there anything else that you want to talk about in regards to your work?
1: I guess the message I would leave people with is to just start paying attention to the random thoughts, hunches, impressions, the aha moments and start acknowledging those, paying more attention to them and see if it really is coming from a guide, a helper that wants to support you. And one of the things our angels can help us with is to move outside of our box, right? We all live in a box of the way that we've been raised or the way we just assume life is and our angels see unlimited possibilities. So they're really helping us to move out of our comfort zone a lot of times to see things from a different perspective, they're there to support you. Never tell you what to do. You're living your life. And at the end of the day, it's really more important for a person to trust themselves than trust their angels. But again, they can help open your eyes to to more possibilities, to more growth. I just think there is such value in learning to trust your inner guidance. And it can just be the foundation for so many other
0: areas of your life. I mean, we already said that There's this many people and that's how many different ways you can do it. But is there something that works for you that you would say, here's a quick thing you could do, you know, today, like if you're not going to do anything else, do this. For me, that would be the spiritual cleansing technique.
1: And it's hard to describe over audio, but people can go to communicatewithangels.com forward slash cleansing and watch a video on how to do this, it takes half a minute to a minute to do. And it's just going to help you to get into your true feelings, to be more connected to spirit. We all have the potential to have that high vibration, but whether it be outer circumstances or something going on inside where you get stressed or tired or in a bad mood, then, you know, it's hard for us to maintain that high energy. And that's where our helpers have learned to master that energy so by doing this technique you can stay connected to that and just do it often throughout your day the other thing i'm really passionate about is helping people to find their unique life purpose to know like okay what am i here to do spiritually find the opportunities the job the whatever it might be the relationships that align with your unique purpose you know, and that your angels help you to find that too. And that's why we can never compare ourselves to anybody else because your timing is unique, your purpose is unique. And that's very empowering to kind of have trust in that and confidence in that you can find your own path in life.
0: I used to have this ongoing thought when I was younger that the path that I wanted to go toward, the desire in me was not spiritual enough. So it was the wrong path. Finally, one of the spiritual people that I went to was like, honey, peaches, poodle. (laughs) That is your spirit guides. The desire itself that's bubbling up within you is literally Mm -hmm. your spirit guides helping you sort of patting you on the butt toward what your purpose is. And just because you're not meditating in a cave in the middle of Nepal doesn't mean you're not doing good stuff for the planet. There's a lot of people. Everybody has to do something different. And if you want to do it, you should do it. Yeah.
1: And the desire is the key that you said there, because I used to think it was selfish to do what I wanted right? But I flipped that around and learned over time that your true heart's desire, like not what you think you should do or what anyone else thinks you should do, but really that authentic desire inside, that is the secret to finding your purpose. If you start following that, which can be hard because sometimes your life might not look like that right now and you have to make some changes and let go of the things that aren't working, but...
0: Right. I do know a lot of Buddhist practitioners and that is a fundamental teaching in Buddhism is desire is a bad thing and that we should sort of ignore the desires every time they crop up and move back to the breath. Desire is equal suffering. I think it's really confusing for a lot of people who have heard that rhetoric.
1: I do think that people have an unconscious belief that they're here to suffer. Yeah. So they stay in that job they hate or that relationship that's making them miserable because somehow they think that, you know, we're here to suffer. I just don't think it has to be that way. Learn and grow. Yes. Right. Challenges. Sometimes. Yes, of course, to learn and grow through, but we don't have to suffer when a person doesn't acknowledge their desires. That's where they start to become depressed, anxiety. Like that's rife in our society right now, because people haven't been taught to look within and to really know what they want.
0: Well, I think the body is like an antenna and it's just basically telling you, hey, you're off track. And when you're off track for a month and then it turns into a year, you can get all the things you said, not just anxiety and depression, but chronic illness. I think the body is just sort of saying, pay attention to me. Listen to me. Get out of that fucking cubicle and (laughs) go do what your heart desires. And then a lot of people don't know what their heart's desire is. What do you do with those people?
1: I always kind of take that with a grain of salt because... Without fail, if I talk to that person for about five or 10 minutes and just ask them some (laughs) questions, they will tell me what they want. So it's not that they don't know what they want. They have so many fears and doubts and beliefs and limitations that are making them think that they can't have that, that then what comes out of their mouth is I don't know what I want.
0: It's like they tell you and it's so subconscious and they're so blocked that they don't even realize they told you. Yes, it's right there, right? Just dying to get out. And we're really good at hiding things from ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's always harder for me to do that for myself than it is for somebody else. And that's, of course, that's normal, right? So that's why I see like I'm a mentor, a facilitator for people. But that does seem to be one of my special gifts, I suppose, is I can help people really identify what is the energy, the goals, the desires that are really in alignment for you, and what's the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. That's really the things you've been taught, the programming, the beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. And just making that distinction for people so they can see it for themselves. And when you choose that path of your own niche and purpose, that's where you're going to get that fulfillment and growth and abundance naturally.
0: Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Seriously. I mean, I think that's a huge Gift that you're offering people. I think if we just would give kids that earlier and give them the opportunity, but I think, you know, it's better late than never. Just do it now. Well, I kind of already know your feelings about ghosts and the fae and cryptids and aliens. You already said they're kind of all the same thing. So I don't think we need to go down that path. But I always ask this question at the end of every interview, and that's what's the most profound spiritual paranormal woo experience you've ever had? And I know you mentioned that orb and Mm -hmm. a little bit about the experience when you were 12. And then also the one when you're in the car. And and that's a big one, too. So is there another one that we haven't talked about yet that was really profound for you? I
1: would say those are the most profound ones. The only other really interesting experience I had was, it was at such a random moment. I was like, my son was a baby and I was changing his diaper. And all (laughs) of a sudden I'm looking in the other side of the room and I see it looked like a diamond, like blue light in the middle and then white light around it, like a diamond shape. And I felt like that was one of his angels kind of showing themselves to me. I guess, remind me that they were there, that they're going to help me raise him as well. So yeah, those would probably be the most profound experiences I've had, particularly the one where the steering wheel moved. I was like,
0: (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I recently heard about a woman who had a similar experience. It was just like, if she hadn't done that, she would be dead. Yeah. It's one of those things. You can't explain it. You can't, you're like, I didn't do that. I know I didn't. The reason
1: I got spooked afterwards is because I realized I didn't look to see if there was anything coming in the other lane. Like the car just moved. And then logically you start thinking about that. You're like, oh my God, I could have created another crash. But I just knew I wasn't the one doing it.
0: One quick thing. You brought up your son who's eight now, right? Yes. What does he think about angels? Does he think your work is silly or is he into it?
1: He, He went through a little rebelling stage a couple of years ago, but he's just so used to it now and his dad also talks this way with him and we go to a, a camp once a year and not that at that camp I have him like do angel work I don't he just plays with the other kids but everybody there is kind of speaking this language so to him it's just normal the other day he was talking about another lifetime. And because I don't really raise an eyebrow at that, I'm curious what he's going to say. It's intriguing. But to him, it's just very natural and normal to be like this. And you know, he's rebelling sometimes. Like Sometimes if he had trouble sleeping, I'd say, hey, can I cleanse you? And every now and again, he said no. So I'm like, okay. But lately he's been more receptive to things like that. I think as he's getting a little bit older, he knows, okay, this is kind of helping me. So I'm going to go along with
0: it. I'm always interested how the kids react. Because I think mm-hmm. they're the most magic. I think kids are f- oh, yeah. fascinating and they're really open. And I always just want to sit with them and be like, tell me things just yeah. <laughs> I think I got a little bit too
1: much like that with him, you know, like, tell me, tell me all the things. And
0: and he, he was like, shut yeah.
1: up. <laughs> he didn't say much. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. <Yeah. laughs> he has it on a feeling level. And then yeah. whatever he chooses to do with that later is up to him. But I've done my best, obviously not perfect, but I've done my best to help him to know, hey, you have your own answers inside of you and the path you choose in life is up
0: to you. I've been talking to my guides more in the last week or so than I probably have my whole life. This episode reminded me of an experience I had. About 10 years ago, I was hanging out with some friends and I was supposed to drive everybody to this queer club. And usually I'd be super into going out. But for some reason, I had this horrible feeling in my gut that I just could not ignore. I was like, guys, I don't know. This has never happened to me before, but I have this weird feeling about this. I don't think we should go. And they were really not happy with me about this. I mean, everybody was dressed all cute and they had their hairs done. But I had never felt anything like this. It was so palpable, this like, no, in my whole body. So I tried to get them to compromise. That was the best I could do. They lived about 30 minutes away. So we decided instead of going to the club, we'd go to their house. I still didn't feel great about this decision. I wanted to just stay in and not go anywhere, which is, again, weird for me at the time. But because I had already let them down, I went to their house and we had a little party that I'm sure paled in comparison to the club. But we stayed up late and I drank some, so I ended up sleeping over. I had work in the morning, so I got up super early and I drove my little Mini Cooper on, I think it was a four lane. It might have been eight, but it was definitely at least two lanes going one way and two lanes going the other With the big grassy median in the middle and i got up to somewhere in the 70-ish miles per hour and i completely lost control there was something really wrong with my car and so when it went fast like that over a certain speed apparently the steering wheel would shake out of control super comforting i didn't know this at the time and they have a lot of semi trucks like going back and forth on this highway my car flung into traffic and then all the way through the median and then into the oncoming traffic on the other side of the highway. Loads of cars, two semi-trucks coming right at me. And one is in the lane that I kind of am, it's like a T situation. I'm going left to right, and they're going up and down. And I hear the truck driver slam on the brakes. My car finally swerves all the way into a ditch on the other side of the highway. And the truck stops just in time, right near where the mini landed. And the driver, this big burly dude, comes over to my car, helps me out, and says, you should be dead. You must have an angel. I forgot to bring this up during my conversation with Melissa, but it felt similar to her experience. I feel like something or someone was trying to get me to stay home altogether that night, but I ignored my intuition and chose to compromise and people-please, and I suffered the consequences. Some of my doctors think that that accident ended up causing a lot of my chronic pain issues that I'm still dealing with today. So I believe Melissa and the truck driver are right. I do have angels. We all do. And maybe when we get close to death at the wrong time, they are allowed to intervene. Maybe they couldn't intervene enough to block my future chronic pain, but they could intervene to block my death. I don't know. What do you think? You know, this is all just working theories, people. I don't know for sure. I'm just saying it's one of those moments that you just never forget. I should be dead, but I'm not. And why? Just like Melissa, she could be dead right now. And her little baby boy would not even be here if it weren't for that unusual situation where she lost control and something else took over that car. I don't know. Just saying. Think about it. I love chatting with Melissa. And I'm definitely going to be speaking with my guides way more frequently now. Anyway, you should definitely check out what Melissa is up to and book courses or book a private session with her. You can get access to that free cleansing video that she talks about. You can also watch a ton of awesome free content on her YouTube channel. And of course, those links will be available to you in the show notes for this episode. So happy summer solstice, everyone. This is a really exciting time of the year. We get the energy of making things, of creating things, really like that busy energy. Whatever projects you have going on, I feel like this is the time to do it. And we also have a full moon in Capricorn. Yes, Melissa and I are both Capricorns. This is going to be a good full moon for us. And I believe that is tomorrow, the 24th. So I hope you're getting ready for your full moon rituals. And remember, full moons are about releasing. So think about what you want to let go of. I like to burn a lot of things on full moon rituals or, you know, cleanse your crystals, whatever you need to do. Okay, that's it, folks. Merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Bye Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and/or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic, and remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, follow the woo. Bye.